Hello and welcome back to the Neil Plus One podcast with me, Neil Curran. Thank you all for your comments and feedback following the launch of the podcast last time, where I got to speak with the wonderful Jules Mons. This week, I'm very excited because I get to stretch the title of the podcast just a little bit. I actually get to speak with two improvisers, two improvisers I'm a bit of a fan of, and they are Will Luera and Dave Sawyer of Big Bang Improv. Originally from Boston, although Will now lives in sunny Florida, where he's the director of improvisation in the Florida Studio Theatre. Uh, we got to catch up uh, recently at the Slapdash Festival in London, and the guys were kind enough to give up some of their time to have a chat about improv and what it means to them so uh, i do hope you enjoy it hello and welcome uh joining me here is will Luera and dave sawyer and i looked at the wrong people in the wrong order when i said that and uh, maybe you guys should introduce yourself because clearly i'm not capable <laughs> uh hi i am will Luera. hi i'm dave sawyer best introductions I've ever heard. <laughs> Uh, tell us, we're, we are at Slapdash in London at the moment. Uh, you guys have performed quite a few times. Uh, I think we're performing tonight. Are we performing together tonight as well? I, I know you and I are. We are. In the Teacher's Jam. The teacher's Jam, yeah. Yes. Cool. So, um, I often think you guys are the most travelled improvisers in the world. Mm. I mean, you can, go, you can go to the furthest part of... And the r- most rural continent in the world. And there, oh yeah, we had we had Big Bang over teaching. And <laughs> um, what's how do you make that all happen? Uh, you know, it's a little more. Uh, I'll be honest, it's a bit more difficult for me now uh, since I first started traveling. Uh, probably back in two thousand four uh, was the first time we uh, we we started traveling. Or at least I started traveling. Since then, I've, of course, I've been mar- I've been married and I have two daughters. So my trips are not. They're a lot more concise, right? Uh, they have to be very quick in and out trips usually. Uh, but thankfully, I have a very supportive wife who believes in the type of work that I do uh, and supports it. So uh, she allows me a few trips a year as long as it's not too stressful. Yeah, and for myself, like so many improvisers, I have a day job. So I use vacation time from work <laughs> to get away and, and kind of use travel time as well as improv time. So. Like this uh, this trip that we're on right now here in London at Slapdash, uh, I'm on uh, kind of a escape from work a little bit and doing multiple festivals on, on one trip, and that's what I've done in years past as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Big Bang, we've gone. You want to name a few places we, we've gone? I mean, we have done uh, we've done Europe, Asia, North America, and South America, and we were we still haven't hit Africa, although we have a standing invitation in South Africa that I would love to be able to take the cast to. Uh, so, um, specific countries uh, we've represented in China, Japan, uh, Korea, Peru, Colombia, Mexico, Canada. Uh, France, France, Spain, uh, soon Germany. Germany coming up. England, yeah. Ireland. Yeah. yeah. So you guys get around. We do. So what? How does that? Uh, how does that change your view of improv? Because if you if you imagine you're both from Boston, mm-hmm. you got a wonderful scene in Boston. Now, Will, you're in you're in Sarasota in Florida, and um, but with all the traveling that you do, you get to sample improvisers with all different styles, all different backgrounds and experience. And how does that change your view of improv? Uh, that is that I think is what feeds uh, the Big Bang style of improv. It was uh, a, a lot of what where Big Bang was born from was me trying, me purposefully 
trying to consolidate the different ideas and schools of thought that were out there without committing myself to one, but instead saying, we must all be, you know, the, people are so entrenched in their school of thoughts, whether it's Del Close or Keith Johnstone or, or Annoyance or I.O. or Second City or UCB. Uh, we're all very committed to these schools, but there must be a middle ground there where they can all come together. And so that was the initial... Uh, goal uh, before there was a big bang. That was my my initial mission and, and vision and in Prop Boston. And then eventually, an international opportunity came up, and I went. And then suddenly I'm realizing, wait, wait, okay. So outside of the five schools that I've been inspired by in the U.S., there's now all of these other things. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that uh, instead of it, instead of the the my vision or my idea of improv changing, it just keeps getting fed. And I, just more ideas are coming in and, 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 and feeding this global uniting language of improvisation, which I think I feel is the primary motor of Big Bang. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I would add that um, through through our travels and, and teaching workshops um, in various places, a lot of it is in English language, although I've had an opportunity, a couple opportunities in particular to teach workshops through translator. Uh, so one, one opportunity was um, at uh, an event in, in eastern France called uh, La Semaine de l'Empro in, in Nancy in France, uh, where there was enough English in the room, but, but a lot of people were mostly French, and so I had some help kind of translating the ideas in the workshop. And the other was at the Tokyo Improv Festival in, in Japan, where uh, there was almost no English. And so everything I said, I had to, had to pause after it and have it translated. And the takeaway from, from both of those experiences was... Uh, that these ideas are absolutely universal. There may be new nuances of culture or humor, but this is a very much a universal language. And by traveling a lot, that becomes clearer and clearer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's interesting because I, I, you know, being from Ireland and having limited access to resources when you go down the improv path, and um, you know, as Europeans, and not to speak for the whole continent, but <laughs> there is a sense that it's a disability that you don't have access to the schools. And what we have access to is people like yourself who travel and come and teach classes or, you know, you get on a plane and you go somewhere else. But certainly it feels like like a disability. So do you think that that's offering people outside of, you know, the meccas of improv, the Chicago's, the L.A.'s, do you think that's giving them an opportunity to do something different and put their own stamp on it? Mm, yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, one of the things that I think we've certainly observed is that um, in communities, whether they're cities where the improv scene is young or more rural communities where they don't have access to some of the the resources of a city scene, um, that kind of bringing in instructors, coaches, and directors from other theaters helps to kind of plant seeds of inspiration to kind of uh, grow the, the, the ideals of that particular community. So what starts off as someone, for example, just learning the Herald evolves into their own take on the Herald, and then they end up developing their own style of play that becomes more loosely based on uh, the original format that they learned. And I would say, like, uh, well, I would, one of the most inspiring moments I had was uh, when, when one of our one of the groups that we've worked with before in the past is a group called Improtop out of Mexico City, and I remember seeing their style of play, just an amazing, beautiful style of, of improvisation uh, and I was able to introduce them to uh, the Chicago Improv Festival and to the American Improv scene and they had a successful five year run of just coming up to the States uh, now they've all they got married and they've kind of moved on but they had a very successful run and I and I remember asking them I'm like where did you learn improv the early when I first met them I was like where did you learn improv uh, I.O. Second City they're like what is that like they had no idea what, what any of these big schools were yeah. they developed improvisation on their own and not only that they developed it in a way that was recognizable, 
by the Meccas, and not only that, respected by the Meccas. And so when they went when they went to Chicago, I remember somebody saying, "Oh, they're doing a herald," and I, remember, I had to tell them, "Like, no, they're not doing a herald. They're doing something that is unique to them, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it even that 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 much more special." And that's as me as a as a director uh, and uh, and the director of Big Bang. Going back to your first question. That's what, that's part of my traveling mission. Mm-hmm. I want to see what other groups are doing, and in the back of my head, I'm like, how could that feed the freeform beast that 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 is Big Bang, all right? Uh, so that uh, and just inform the style of play that we do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, will you not too long ago move from Boston to to Florida, and mm-hmm. basically? May I correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you were, I suppose, was there improv in Sarasota before you went there, or was there anything formal before you went there? There was. Uh, in the theater that I got hired, uh, uh, that I got hired by, there was an improv program uh, that, that existed for 13, 14 years, kind of focusing just on, on short form. Uh, right. And they dabbled with a little bit of long form. They would bring in teachers from outside. But the, re- the way I discovered that theater is that they were hosting something called the Sarasota Improv Festival, which I would consider, I would say, is one of the best uh, and I would say this before I even worked there. It was it's one of the best improv festivals in the country. Uh, it's very well curated. Uh, artists are treated very well, uh, and I, it reminds me a lot of the European style festivals. In fact, uh, and so I was impressed by what they were doing, and so I just kept looking and looking at how the how the scene was developing. And then when the opportunity came up, when they were looking for a director of improvisation, I, I jumped right on it. Great. And how was that? Uh, how was that leaving? You know what you had established in Boston, leaving your teammates from from Improv Boston and from mm-hmm. Big Bang. How did how did you feel about that change? It was difficult. Uh, I saw myself for many years. I saw myself living uh, in Boston for the rest of my life and and doing improv in Boston for the rest of my life. So in that, in that way, it was very difficult. But at the same time. There was an opportunity, a very unique opportunity for me to continue to amplify uh, and ma- amplify the uh, the voice that I was that I, that I had in in Boston. It's a much smaller scene, sure, but I felt like it was a it, it gave me a more stable home base uh, to work from. Mm-hmm. And Dave, from your perspective, then still being stuck in Boston, <laughs> how did that affect? How did, how did that have an impact for? Because you guys have incredible chemistry on stage, and you know, in any setting, it doesn't have to be improv, but even the theater or any, even even in the day job, when you lose somebody that you're close to, not lose somebody, but when you have someone that comes out of that, you know, removes themselves from that environment, how did that affect you yeah. know, on the the team? Yeah, good question. I thought at first it might slow us down. Um, you would expect it might, but mm-hmm. I don't think it has really. And I think one of the main reasons for that is is because of festivals. Yeah. Uh, so even though Will lives in Sarasota now and I still live in Boston, we still perform together uh, uh, quite a bit actually. We, uh, a number of months ago, we were in, uh, at the Duo Fest in Philadelphia and did a duo show there together as a Big Bang. And um, coming up soon, we'll be in Montreal at uh, at Improv, the festival mm-hmm. up there, performing together as well. So by traveling two festivals together and, and continuing to perform, it creates an opportunity for ongoing performance in that way. And I think it also created, it, it helped us grow in a way that we needed to grow anyway in that Dave is now, Dave is already kind of moving into this position, but I think he's now a more of a... Um, uh, it, it, he's an, he's a surrogate for my work, and 
people know that people see him as that mm-hmm. right he's been able to 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 uh teach at various festivals in my place uh and now i think people see us as an inter- as interchangeable as far as what we do in big bang and that's important uh and there's a couple of other folks that i'm hoping will also now now that because of the the, the separation it, it gives room within the big bang in- infrastructure for people to move up into those mm-hmm. into those surrogate positions uh where we all understand the theory well enough that we could play and perform for each other yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So, getting back to festivals for a second, let's 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 park the Sarasota festival yeah. for a moment yeah. to avoid any bias. <laughs> um, so, you guys are probably the most qualified people in the world to answer this. But, and what are you finding is the? And this is maybe a tip for people who are festival organizers who are listening. And um, what do you think is the best approach uh, for festival organizers to take when programming a festival, and I guess accommodating visitors? Because we're seeing a bigger. We're seeing a, a, a surge in international festivals. Even we're here at Slapdash. There's a festival in Birmingham, which is an hour and a train away. There's a festival in Tallinn in Estonia. There's just so much happening uh, around the world. So, what are your tips? What have you kind of picked up as you've gone on to all these festivals that you think make you know tips for programming, tips for accommodating the international visitors? What What do you recommend? I'll, I'll, um, I'll go first. I'll uh, <clears throat> one thing that I've loved. And I've seen this more in the uh, in international festivals, uh, is that you're busy every day. I mean, you're whether you're involved in workshops, forums, or teaching. Uh, I love that the European fe- uh, festivals have these mixers, right, and and different sort of jams. I also like that they're m- well curated, so it's a, a it's a small group of 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 people that you're seeing every day, and you are you're 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 it gives you an opportunity to network. Uh, and learn from each other, and not to be too judgmental of some of the uh, of, of, of some of the other festivals. But I, you know, the ones where where I'm just one and done, mm. I'm like, okay, that's it. Like, um, for the, I'm I'm done for the rest of the weekend, yeah. and I could go watch a bunch of shows, but I don't feel the same opportunity to network with yeah. people yeah. and to really connect and learn from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would add, um, you know, the extent to which uh, festival producers who are n- newer to festival production could travel to other festivals to kind of see what works and kind of maybe cherry pick ideas from those other festivals. It's certainly been my experience that, um, in general, European festivals uh, do a really good job of kind of, in addition to, as Will said, kind of providing more opportunities for the performer once they once they kind of make the trip, um, is that they really take care of the performers and help facilitate the trip so it is an expensive thing to travel uh, internationally of course and so all the small stuff helping out with uh, providing accommodations wherever possible even if that's directing people to uh, uh, hostels or having uh, kind of fellow colleagues or other improvisers provide housing uh, any other uh, paid you know workshop opportunities just to help make that trip more feasible uh, both financially and otherwise so mm-hmm. the European festivals do a really great job of that and I st- I'm starting to see US festivals do yeah. that more and more so yeah and it's, it, the, the improv world is getting smaller. I mean, the, the improv network, the formerly the National Improv Network, they've gone global, and they've made applying, you know, certainly from Improv Ireland's perspective, it, it's it made a huge difference for us. Uh, difference for us, first of all, getting the festival na- name out there internationally, particularly in the US, and processing applications, getting people to apply. So it made it much easier, uh, a much easier resource to get to, to get to festivals. Of course, the downside of that is if applying to a festival in a country halfway around the world is as simple as clicking a button. You know, for you forget about all that. Well, you've got to look at costs and flights right. to, to do that. But it certainly does make again, the improv world is getting getting smaller as, yep. as a result of that. 
Um, is there is there a, has there been a festival again? Not to not to, to hold you to account for this, but this is going out in public. Uh-huh. Uh, has there been a festival that you've really really enjoyed playing? Um, not not because of you know not because they put you up in a fancy hotel or anything like that, but just a festival you're part of that you just really enjoyed playing. And maybe it was a new festival or. Uh, I'll say in uh, uh, 2013, you, you uh, Neil launched your festival for the first year that year alongside Barcelona, the, the, the kind of one week apart, and uh, that was a really memorable trip for mm-hmm. uh, for us. And we ended up going back many times. Uh, both festival experiences were were uh, absolutely memorable and amazing. Uh, one of the things I liked about Barcelona in particular was just the the level of international representation there, that, because that was a pretty large festival. Right. Um, and that, that really made the experience for me, I forget the number, it was something like 20 different countries mm-hmm. uh, represented. And uh, the way that uh, players from different countries, uh, whether English was their first language or second language, as, as Will mentioned, mixer teams, getting everybody from different countries working together, uh, that kind of took the experience to the next level in that it wasn't just about improv, it was about uh, sharing ideas and kind of connecting with people across the global community mm-hmm. in that way. I would put the big gift there as well. Uh, I've, I also really enjoyed, um, <clears throat> for many of the same reasons, I enjoyed FIF. Uh, I felt like that uh, up in, in Tampere, Finland, uh, I felt many of that, those same aspects of, of community. Yeah. Right? Uh, and uh, just connect. And I have very strong memories with all the people that were, that were in both of those, yeah. both of those festivals. Yeah, it's interesting to say community because it, it comes back to that whole, I'm using air quotes now on a podcast, but that mm-hmm. whole cult of improv mm-hmm. that, you know, we want, you know, in our own cities, we want to, we want to create a fertile ground for community to flourish. But the same kind of thing works on a micro scale for, mm-hmm. for a festival as well. You want to feel a part of it that when you walk in the door, your mm-hmm. other improvisers are there and say, oh, hello, who are you? I'm from Greece right. or I'm from wherever you, wherever you may be. So, that, you know, it's nice to see that's such an important part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was something we learned in Dublin as well very, very quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. Creating the, creating that community aspect to it. Oh, cool! Um, but I'm seeing as well now. I, I think the Phoenix Festival now. I, I do know there's another festival, and I, I I can't think of it right now. But I know the Phoenix Festival now, and they've had a mixer. I think they're doing a mixer for mm-hmm. as well for yep. the next one next year. So that's exciting to see. I've always felt actually of, of the festivals in the United States. I've always felt that Phoenix was one of those the, one of those leaders in, in festival production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'm, I keep using European festivals as, as my standard, as my gold standard. But I, the Phoenix Festival reminded me of, of the European festivals for all the same reasons that I've been already uh, praising the other festivals for. Yeah, if I could add, you know, one of the things I've noticed is as large and as wide as the kind of global improv community is, uh, the people who who travel to these various festivals around their country, around the world, is, is a smaller smaller community in that way. So inevitably you end up seeing kind of the same people, same people. country to country, festival to festival, and some new kind of friendships have evolved and, and formed through that. And uh, what's kind of fun is I've been talking to some uh, friends I've made through, through these international travels about, even though we all live in different countries, about developing a show idea remotely and then submitting that to an international fa- festival, arriving in advance of the festival. Festival and, and mm-hmm. you know rehearsing and, and kind of bringing a new completely international collaborative show uh, forward in that way just as a result of the relationships that were formed from past travels. Yeah, it's really great. It's so true. I remember Nick Armstrong, he runs Improv Utopia, um, which is not too dissimilar from a festival and it brings a lot of improv. And Will, you've thought of mm-hmm. Improv Utopia. That's where we met. No, it wasn't where we met. No, that was after right. we met. <laughs> Brain's not working today. But uh, again, you're bringing improvisers together. And I remember Nick joking one time uh, because I'd been over to two of the Improv Utopias pretty close and then the previous year and we'd seen each other for the Dublin Festival 
podcast when I say that I see more than I see my local friends. And, 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 but it's so true. Like you, it, it opens opportunities for you to collaborate at a level that you wouldn't normally get to get to play at. And, and it's very, you know, for people like me in in Dublin, where you know we don't have Willie Ware and Dave Sire on our doorstep, it's a nice opportunity to get to play. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to play tonight, which is great. Yeah. And so here's a, here's a kind of a curveball question for you then, uh, taking into account you know the exposure that you guys have had. Do you, where do you see improv going um, on an international level from here? Do you think that the art form is going to evolve in terms of style, or do you think it's going to evolve in terms of community and festival? I personally think in style, uh, and, and I might that that might just be my uh, to steal a term that I've gotten from Dave recently. But that might just be my optimistic bias that it's going to move towards <laughs> style, uh, and that's my hope because all of these different American teachers are going around planting all of these seeds on all of these different cities, and my hope is that the leaders and teachers and directors of those uh, of those different countries will then take that. And then add their flavor, their culture, their style, and then develop these new schools that are not rooted in one philosophy, that are not rooted in in, in one uh, in a book or anything, but rooted in what is a good a reflection of their culture. And then I think then we will start to truly learn from 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 each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's it's, it's, that's what I. That's how where I see it going, but I think I, it's really where I hope it's it's going to be moving to. Because if it, you know, if I if I could just if if I end up going anywhere in the world and just see more American style improv, okay, that's great. You know, but it's like okay, I'm not, when I travel, I don't want to go to McDonald's or Chili's, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> I want to see what they have, or I want to eat what they have, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I would add that. Uh, I, I similarly, I, I predict that the the evolution will be uh, stylistic in nature, and the, and the reason is because. Um, because there are more and more festivals popping up, there are more performing opportunities everywhere. There are more opportunities than ever for performers from different countries and communities to see each other's styles and shows. And I think one of the things that happens to us all when we go to a festival is we'll watch a show and we'll go, wow, that was awesome. I've never seen that before. And you kind of borrow ideas and take inspiration home with you. And that affects the work you then do back home. I think, you know, years ago, at least in the U.S., um, I think we see a lot of like assimilation of different theater companies like, uh, oh, Herald, then we should be a Herald Theater too, kind of a thing. But inevitably what happens, I believe, is over time that theater, although they're basing their initial foundation off of existing styles or ideas, they then on their own evolve those styles and come up with their own slant or take on it. So mm-hmm. I believe that in the future it's going to be much more diversity of style in that way. Yeah, and it's interesting like, <clears throat> having a conversation with friends back in Dublin about this. Um, you know, improv audiences tend to be made up of improvisers, uh, and I find it that it's interesting. You go to Chicago or or, or where, where have you, and they have Armando nights or Harold nights. Um, that's something to me that never felt it would make sense in trying to market it beyond the improv community. So you don't see that so much so much in Europe. And um, but will that in turn in the US then have an impact that maybe the US then will evolve in, in a similar way or? That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, I mean, because it is it is America, uh, but y- y- my hope would be my optimistic bias. <laughs> my hope would be that, that that yes, like when groups like Improtop came in, that made an impact. That made, we were inspired by their work, and so my hope is that these various communities will they'll 
when the when the fruit is ripe, when they come into the U.S., it'll 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 cause a way. It'll cause ripples in that in in our community, and we will learn from from what the international scene has has to offer. Will says that while he's looking out at the window. Look at the window. The mountains in the background, stroking his beard. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I, similarly, I, I feel the same way. I think the U.S. Um, its improv scene is is um, very well established. It's 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 got a lot of history and years behind it to you know to bring it to the point where it is today. So there are a lot of these schools like UCB and I.O. that are forces in the improv scene. They're not only in their respective cities, but around around the country. Um, and even, you know, when we come here in Europe, we, it's, it's kind of funny. We'll go to some city or some country and uh, the local people we meet will be like, oh, yeah, we trained with so-and-so from I.O. or, mm-hmm. you know, that, that these, these instructors and coaches from the U.S. are, are starting to come over to, to Europe at, at least more and more. So, um, yeah, I, I, would ex- I would expect um, some reciprocal, you know, ideas in that way going back and forth but it seems to me being from the u.s uh my bias it looks like a lot of the a lot of the growth the explosion is 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 really outside of the u.s in that way Mm -hmm. interesting and just to add a curiosity because i don't think we've ever had this conversation you know over a point never mind on the podcast Mm -hmm. but uh who which teachers uh from your own uh you know, career and improv when you were starting, and which teachers do you think had the most profound and not profound and, and a list that distinguishes them from other teachers? But is there anything in particular, anyone in particular, that stands out as having forced to inspire you? I have, I have the four that I always list that help to calibrate my my younger comedic voice, uh, and probably in this order, well, Joe Bill was the first one. Uh, then, uh, then Mick uh, McNapier. Then the group intensive we did with Centralia uh, or uh, Burn Manhattan back then, uh, and then uh, the three of the UCB four. Uh, so before they were big, when they were still doing workshop, like we would bring them up to Boston. So those four points helped to calibrate my voice uh, a little bit, and thankfully calibrated me in a way where I didn't lean to anyone but I kind of fell right in the middle and just let all four voices push me forward uh, yeah similarly for when I was uh, kind of a younger improviser getting started I went to the Chicago Improv Festival and, and took some workshop training with uh, McNapier who said some things that fixed some problems that I was having mm-hmm. he was describing uh, uh, what improvisers who are struggling tend to do and what what you know what types of choices tend to not lead to successful results in scenes and I found that really helpful and I've always kind of kept that with me mm-hmm. I, I find his book McNapier's book uh, uh, improvise really really helpful in that way Joe Bill also mm-hmm. uh, really influential in that way I like his kind of his ideas around um, confidence and power and um, uh, on stage um, Gary Austin um, uh, also a big influence I, I took a lot of training with him. Uh, and then this guy sitting right next to me, Will Luera, a huge influence on me. Uh, I've worked with now for so many years. So it really informed my ideas around improv quite a bit. Yeah, points to that. <laughs> cool. And, and so uh, I, I'd like to ask this question of people. Uh, uh, so to give tips to people who are listening, maybe if there was one topic or something that you've been interested in working or coaching on recently, is there anything that you're, you, you know, an exercise or a tip you'd give on any particular area that you've maybe been teaching on or coaching around? Um. What I'm working on right now, actually, I have found myself uh, very interested in developing, uh, helping teachers and directors become better. Um, and so I know that this isn't this is not going to speak to the 
to the improvisers listening to the podcast, but I'm hoping that by the time this comes out, uh, it would be able to help the, the directors. But I'm, what I'm working on right now is uh, what, well, what I saw was a, uh, were people that were hitting that director teacher level, hitting a a point of complacency, kind of like, okay, I've reached this level. I'm good at what I do. I can give feedback. I am respected. Good. Okay. And most of them are fantastic. So this is no judgment. But I think that, and this is a reflection of myself as well, like I'm not done improving. I need to get better at what I'm doing at my craft. At this point, I'm directing and teaching most of the time, but I need to get better. So what I'm currently working on is a set of, of um, this sounds very technical, but a set of metrics and tools that I can provide to directors and teachers to help them become more specific and articulate when delivering notes, right? So the, um, an example would be if I'm, if I'm trying to give Dave a note, uh, I, might, I might just say, hey, Dave, uh, I need you to be more physical. Uh, you know, uh, this one scene you were a little static, right? you're a little stiff. I need you to be a bit more physical. Right, nothing wrong with that note, but what I want to be able to give a director is the tools to then be, okay, uh, by physical, do you are you talking about object work? Are you talking about your full body? Are you talking about facial expression? Are you talking about proximity to the other character, proximity to the audience, presentation on stage, right? And so giving directors the exact tools to diagnose a, a, a problem and then give a solution to it. And, and, and let that uh, give that actor a proper solution to help them uh, help them become better, right? So I know that that's not a tip or something that I can give um, uh, uh, to your listeners, but my hope is that I uh, that by the time that people are listening to this, those tools will be available that I could share with folks. And I've actually developed quite a few of them already. And my goal is to develop a full proper curriculum. Great. Well, I can show. By the time we go live, if you have that, yeah, we'll post it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's uh, play with a lot of different people. I think, you know, taking inspiration from a lot of styles and, and kind of creating your show, not thinking of improv only as a series of scenes, but thinking of it as a distinct and unique show that's that you and your team have created that's different from all other shows. That sort of mentality, I think, is really important. Um, play with a lot of different people, not only people like you, think in terms of diversity. Uh, I'm proud to have worked for many years with, a, with an organization called WICF, which produces a festival in Boston called the Women in Comedy Festival. And their, their, their mission is to uh, kind of close the gender gap in that way. Um, so if I could plug WICF.com. But, but yeah, but basically work with lots of different people, different ages, different diversity. Uh, you know, work with people who are better, with, better than you and, and mm-hmm. create a show that's, uh, that you're proud of, that's, that's unique in that way, as opposed to trying to emulate someone else's show. Mm. Excellent. So one last question for you. Uh, again, it's not a favoritism test, but just yeah. a show you've seen recently or that's fresh in your head that you, you, you really enjoyed, that you weren't in. Uh, what is, what's the, uh, the group from Toronto that Isaac and Ken are in? Oh, Two Men No Show. Two Men No Show. Uh, they, uh, they're great. Uh, so Two Men No Show out of Toronto, right? Yeah. Uh, the two men, uh, a two-person, two a duo uh, group, Ah, they are so playful. They're so fun. They are so funny. The listening is fantastic. Uh, I would probably. I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a big fan of theirs, and always go out of my way to see them if they are. If we're in the same festival. Yeah, I, there's just so many. I can't. Uh, I can't. I'm overwhelmed with thinking of all the great, great shows uh-huh. I've seen lately. I'm uh, constantly still also sorry. I'm, uh, while you could, while you think of yours, uh, I like what North Coast is doing, and I, and specifically, I mean, I think we all know that North Coast is an improvised rap uh, group, 
but they're now kind of evolving or just not maybe not evolving but coming up with new formats uh, so I'm, I'm constantly uh, impressed by them uh, yeah for me uh, the the magnet uh, theater yeah. in New York and their kind of touring company uh, have been really blown away with the shows I've seen by them love their style mm-hmm. yeah. great Dave Sarah Will, Will thank you very much thank, thank you, you.